Last Sunday was a special day in our church family as so many of us went out into the community and was sharing love with the folks in the community. And uh, it's a great experience for, for all of us uh, that were a part of that. And I've asked four people from our church family to give testimonies this morning uh, about their experience last Sunday. And I think you'll be encouraged by what they have to say. So I'm going to ask Wes to come, and there's, there's four of them. They'll come one right after the other. Hello, everybody. My name is Wes Warren. For those of you who don't know me, for those of you who do, hello again. I've only been coming here for about a few months here, and I would just like to say that I feel like I'm so blessed by the, all the love that you guys have given me and showed me. And uh, I truly feel like I'm on a great path and just recently getting baptized here as well. And I would just like to say a little bit about my experience of the Love Does Day, signing up for it, and the days leading up to it. Well, when I first signed up to help out with this great cause of cutting down a tree, it kind of loomed and lingered on me in the back of my mind that I was serving the Lord and I was doing something great in His name. But I also thought of all the work that I had piled up upon myself and thought, it's just going to make me more tired, maybe, even though I'm doing a good cause. But let me tell you, I was sure was wrong, and I came to figure this out. Upon start to finish of my job, it just amazed me and shocked me the amount of work that can be done when everybody comes together and can serve in the Lord's name. And when I, upon starting, I just was filled with an unparalleled joyness. Not only was I serving in the Lord's name, but also, I was also receiving his love from more of his people, making new friends and having great conversations with them. As soon as our job was done, I felt myself rushing back here to the church, looking amongst the sign-up sheets to see where else I could maybe go and to see if I could help out more. And it just truly showed me, and I just kind of sat there and thought to myself, love does, and I kind of got it in a sense. So that's what I had to say, and I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Some of us are too old to cut a tree down. So, <laughs> uh, Jenny Shepherd and Kate Lindsay attend first service, so they're not here. But we signed up to go out and do some greeting among the community. Jenny and I did the most of it. Kay joined us right at the end. But here's what we did. Up, oh, hello. Good morning. We're from Community Christian Church, and we're just out this morning spreading a little joy and laughter to your community. And we have a little goodie bag we'd like to give you. Guess who talked? <laughs> and um, then we also have a card here that tells you that we're serving lunch at three different places. We'd love for you to come have, have hot dogs with us. It's all free, and we want you to come. And then on Halloween, we have a big thing that's a safe place for your children to come, your grandchildren, invite your neighbors, and so forth and so forth. You imagine my lingo. And by the time we get done, they are appreciative of taking the little sack of goodies and not one of them told us, go away, shut the door, we don't like you or anything. They thanked us. Jenny got to chime in a little bit. We laughed and had a good time. Uh, we met an elderly man that came to the door very slowly with his walker who just insisted we must come in, even though Kevin, I think, told us not to. We went in, and he loved having us come. 
He told us it had been a long time since he had had two such lovely young ladies visit him. <laughs> well, that's why we loved having him come. Anyway, there was another lady we met who had nine puppies, and she begged us to take a puppy, which we did not take a puppy, but she loved having us stop by. Uh, probably our primary one we met was a very small lady who came to the door with a tiny baby in her arms and five little people peeking around the corner. Um, we gave her two sacks of goodies at the time and talked to her about the hot dogs and the different things. We got on down the block about four houses and hadn't had but a couple more people home. And Jenny said, you know what, Karen, we should go back and give some more sacks to that lady. So we trudged back and knocked on her door again, and I think she thought we were the monsters coming back. You know, and the kids were peeking again. We said, you know, we just feel like each one of your children needs a sack of goodies. And she said, oh, thank you. They're already fighting over who gets these. So that was a good thing. We visited several different people that were in wheelchairs, kind of over in the government housing. And by the time we got around the corner over to one man, he was out on his porch because he'd heard all this noise going on. And I, I guess we were that loud. And he wondered what on earth we were doing. I'm not quite sure what he thought we were doing. But he was glad to talk with us and visit with us. And we made our way back to church in about two and a half hours and had given out, I think, 35 little packets of food and so forth and invited a lot of people to come. And uh, I'm kind of like him. When I reflected, I know they smiled and enjoyed us or thought us we were crazy, but they did enjoy us. But you know who enjoyed it most? It was Jenny and Kay and I. It was a good morning. Hi, I'm Kim Hansen. And for those of you who don't know, I have five grandkids that live with us and we race. Well, this last Sunday, for our Love Does service project. I wasn't looking forward to it. That morning I got up and I had about 50 different reasons why we shouldn't go. I didn't know what we were gonna do. I didn't wanna deal with the kids during the sermon and I just, so on and so on. Just all kinds of reasons not to go. But I finally listened to God and he told me to bring the kids and show them what love does. So we came, turned out wonderfully. We had a couple helpers, uh, Jeanette, Janelle Tate and uh, Robin Lemons were with us, and we went to the nursing home, went to Medical Lodge. We had made cards that we colored and wrote on, and Bible verses, and we took them all to the nursing home and gave them out. We told people Jesus loved them, and we just had a great time doing it. I didn't know how great of a time we had until we got home. My kids ran in the house so excited to tell my husband, their grandpa, what they had done. They just loved it. They thought it was the neatest thing ever. So the best part for me was learning that the kids learned what love does. It's such a joy to be a part of this group. Uh, the love and the the inspiration we receive here every Sunday and and just to be part of this group is a real joy to us. And so uh, 
I want to just share a little bit what happened to me uh, last Sunday um, when we got together, and uh, I guess some thoughts began to come through my mind, and, and uh, you know, I don't know, I guess it's from where I come from or something, but I began to think, and you know, uh, and this is what I told my wife when we was leaving, and I think when I was trying to go to sleep at night, or she was trying to go to sleep, I was still telling her this stuff, but so that's what she puts up with anyway. But uh, the thought that came to my mind was that a church is not just a museum for saints. It's not just a place where we all get together and pat each other on the back and, and you know, we're better than the rest of the people in this world because look who we are. It's not, that's not what God ever intended. And uh, rather... Uh, Another little illustration came to my mind about fireflies, you know, during the summer, when on a summer evening, uh, a lot of times little kids, and I did it, and you probably did it, we would go out there and catch them fireflies and put them in a jar. And and you think, that well, man, we're going to have this little jar of fireflies, they're all going to light up, and it's going to be pretty cool, you know. But it don't look like they, they don't feel very good in there, and they don't light up much. And by morning, when you open the lid, they're all just, their feet are all pointing up towards the, toward the top, you know. And, you know, it impressed me that way. That's the way Christians are. If all we did is got in a little huddle, we weren't free to go out there and let the light shine wherever, uninhibited. Really, the gospel is lived out in our daily lives, six days a week. On Sunday, we get together. And we get charged up, and when I sit over there and Kevin's preaching or whoever is up here, I'm saying, you know, I was taught to be quiet in church, so I'm, I'm trying to be quiet, but in my, in my inside I'm saying, Hallelujah! Amen! That's the truth! I can't believe it, it's being said! And, you know, I just get so charged up when I hear it. And, and man, appreciation week, we ought to have that every, every week, I think, but because uh, we do appreciate what happens here. But this is not the whole. This is what was going through my head last Sunday. This is not the whole. The main part of the gospel is individuals out there, like those fireflies, doing their little thing. You put them in a jar, and they all kind of belly up. They, they, they're not healthy. And that's kind of what happened to me. As we worked, we was putting a, a new roof on a, on a little porch on a man's house over here on the other part of town. And it seemed like he really appreciated it. He couldn't get it done himself. You know, the old roof was bad, had big holes in it, and they, we replaced it. But the other thing that impressed me is the people I was working with. This was nothing new to them. This was their normal, everyday life. It wasn't just all of a sudden one time they had to go do something for somebody else and somebody plugged them into this. This was the way they lived their lives every day. And that's what I want to keep doing. Thank you. I really appreciate uh, each of these ones who have shared in testimony. And also I appreciate you who went out to share love with the community. It was a very good day. I, I had a couple of experiences that I wanted to share with you. One actually uh, happened to my wife, Cindy, as she was knocking on that door and, and an older lady came to answer the door. 
And she gave that woman the same spiel that Karen was saying. Uh, uh, we're from Community Christian Church out just sharing a little love with the community. And this lady asked her, do you have anyone with you that can fix my door? And uh, I, I'm on the other side of the street. Cindy was working one side of the street and I'm working the other side of the street. And I'm keeping my eye on her and making sure all is well as she's knocking on doors, and I see her go inside uh, this house. And I'm thinking, what, what, what is she doing? And, uh, but I had seen that a, a lady had answered the door and invited her in, so she was missing for a minute or two, but I'm watching, and then she comes back out, and she says, hey, Kevin, uh, can you come here? And so I walk over, and she says, she's got a a problem with her door, and she's wondering if somebody can fix it. Can you, you want to take a look at it? I said, sure. But as I did, as I walked in, I had a flashback to 30 years ago, to a time that Cindy and I had walked into another house with a lady, and uh, she, as, as we sat down, I noticed that she had been working on a lamp. And the lamp was in pieces. It was all over the floor. And uh, we, set, we have sat down, and I, so just to make conversation, I say, uh, you're working on a lamp. Do you know what you're doing? And she said, no. And she proceeded to ask me, Would you, do you, you think you can fix my lamp for me? And I was overly confident that evening. I thought, surely, yeah, I can, I can fix this lamp. And so I proceeded, I got down on the floor and I began to put the lamp all back together and uh, got it ready to plug in. We plugged it in and we turned it on and you would have thought that it was the 4th of July uh, with all of the fireworks that was going on when that lamp was turned on. And uh, we blew a fuse uh, in that lady's house and it was an older house, it was an old fuse that you couldn't just go to Walmart and pick one up and, and uh, you know, replace the, the bad one. Uh, she went without electricity all night long uh, in that instance. And so my mind is flashing back as this woman has asked me to repair her door. I'm thinking, oh dear Lord, help me. Uh, I don't want to make matters worse for this woman as I did 30 years ago with another woman. Uh, but thank God I was able to fix her door. It, it wasn't a big fix. Uh, she gave me a hammer and some nails, and I was able to, to do some, some repair work for her, and she was happy, and we were happy. I was thinking about another door that I knocked on last Sunday. This time, uh, a, a younger lady answered the door, and I could see there in her front room a, a, a little toddler ends up he was about 14 months old and she's uh, hearing from me where we are from that we're from Community Christian Church and and uh, just sharing some love to the community and I gave her a goodie bag and and she says you know you you all have helped me before with my water bill uh, I know where you're at and uh, so we are we had a connection there and uh, as we talked, she began to open up and share with me some of the struggles that she was going through. And I was able to offer to her 
uh, can I pray with you? And she was very open to that. It was, it was a great experience. She, in fact, went down to 3rd Street Park and ate a hot dog, took her son with her, and uh, they had uh, lunch there and met some of our people there. It was a good experience. And, and I, from what I was hearing and from, from what I was experiencing myself, uh, we had a great reception from the people that we were meeting that day. And why wouldn't we? I mean, it's not surprising when you share love with someone, they're going to be receptive to that. Uh, They were blessed. We were blessed as we were able to share love. And I think as we did it all in his name, he was blessed too. It really was a good day. And praise God for the love that was shown last week. Remember Jesus' words in the upper room as he talked to his disciples he said this a new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you that you also love one another by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another and the kind of love that Jesus was talking about there is more than just words It's action. It's a giving kind of love. It's a love that denies self. It's it's the kind of love that puts the best interest of the other person in front of our own interest. And I'm thankful that Jesus has shown us how to love. That's what we've been looking at over these weeks past. We have been looking at a particular story from the Gospels about Jesus showing us His kind of love to other people. Today, I want us to look into John chapter 4, and I want us to see Jesus' love to that woman at the well in Samaria. Let me read to you verses 3 through 6 from John chapter 4. It says this, He left Judea and went away again into Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. In other words, it was the noon hour. That's what the sixth hour was. It was the noon hour. By this time, the sun was getting hot. Jesus and his disciples have been traveling towards Galilee through Samaria, the text says. And probably they started out early in the morning, and so they have been been walking for several hours. It's getting warmer, and by this time Jesus is weary and worn. He is thirsty. He's ready to give his feet and his body a rest. And so he takes a seat beside the well there in Samaria, and it's a well that has been built by the patriarch Jacob centuries earlier. Let me read to you verses 7 through 9. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. I want to point out to you that amidst Jesus' weariness, 
he still had time to talk to this woman. Her soul was more important than his tiredness. I want to let that sink into you for just a moment. I want to, in fact, say it again. Her soul was more important than his tiredness. To put it another way, people mattered to Jesus. And I pray that would be true for each and every one of us, that people will matter to us and that their souls will never be very far from our minds. Let me ask you, do you think about the fact that people's souls are hanging in the balances? Uh, Satan wants us to be totally oblivious to this fact. He wants us to be totally distracted from this reality that, that every person's soul is going to one of two places. That's true of our family members. It's true of our neighbors. It's true of those that we work with. It's true of those that we go to school with. Every person's soul is going to one of two places, and that should matter to us. We should want to have their soul go to heaven. We should want to help them be able to go to heaven. I've done a study just recently on heaven and hell, and I am reminded from Scripture that heaven is such a place of wonder for all eternity. It is more than what our minds can even begin to imagine. And the same is true with hell, except in the other direction. Hell is more than what our minds can even begin to imagine. And we should be doing all that we can to help people be prepared for that moment that they stand before God and face the judgment. Because you know what? No one is going to miss that moment. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes the judgment. This is an appointment that every person will meet. No one will be able to hide from that appointment. No one will be able to call and cancel that appointment. No, every person will stand before the Lord and they will be judged. And how sad it will be is if that person whom we loved stands before God, if they don't have Jesus in their life, and did we try to help them with that? Souls do matter. Would you say that with me? Souls do matter. They matter to Jesus. They matter to God the Father. They should matter to us as well. This woman's soul mattered to Jesus, so he casually started a conversation with her. Now, notice he does not pull out the scroll of Isaiah and beat her over the head with it. No. He casually starts a conversation with her simply by asking her for a drink of water. And that got her attention. She said, basically, why are you talking to me? And the reason for that question was, she was a Samaritan and he was a Jew. And normally, pleasantries were not exchanged between Samaritans and Jews. They hated each other. 
The other reason for this question is, he was a man and she was a woman, and that was a, that was a barrier that he crossed as he asked that question. And it took her by surprise, especially the fact that he was a Jewish rabbi and she knew what kind of woman she was. She didn't figure Jesus knew what kind of woman she was, but she knew what kind of woman she was, and it totally shocked her that this Jewish rabbi, this man, would speak to her. Could I just interject here a simple truth that we need to always be mindful of? And the truth is this, love crosses barriers. It crosses racial barriers, it crosses gender barriers, it crosses age barriers, it crosses economic barriers, it crosses religious barriers. Love reaches out. Love is soul conscious. I remember years ago, my brother-in-law Dave, who is a preacher, he was actually preaching a sermon here at our church during a week of revival, and one of his sermons was, being soul conscious. And that sermon stuck in my mind. The fact that all of us who are followers of Jesus need to be soul conscious. Jesus was soul conscious towards this woman. Let me read to you verse 10 of John chapter 4. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. Do you understand what Jesus is trying to do here in this situation? He is trying to draw her into a spiritual conversation. He is trying to go deeper with her by bringing up the subject of living water. Let me read on. Chapter 4, verses 11 through 15. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where, where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. It is a little risky, isn't it? to try and take the conversation deeper into spiritual things. Think with me about this situation. He could have just talked to her about the weather. He could have said to her, you know, it's, it's really hot today, isn't it? We've, we've come from a long distance. I, 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 he could have talked to her about the well itself. I wonder how many people have drank from this well through the centuries since our father Jacob built it. I wonder... You know, he could, he could have talked about all kinds of stuff. But he was willing to take the risk with her and try to bring the conversation to a deeper level. And my question to you would be this. Are you willing to go deeper 
in conversation with people and talk with them about the things that really do matter. It's easy for us to talk on just the surface and talk about those things that really don't matter in light of eternity. It's easy for us to talk to people about the weather, isn't it? It's easy for us to talk about, you know, the trees, they're, they're, they're turning colors and really pretty. And the Royals, man, they're really doing good. They're on a stretch, aren't they? they I hope they win the World Series. And what about those Chiefs? What's wrong with them? <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds of surface conversations that we can have with people. And I understand that, that we need those kinds of conversations to, to break down barriers, to help people be comfortable with us. But don't, wouldn't you not agree with me that there needs to be a point in the conversation at some time where we try to take the conversation to a deeper level? One of the doors, the this, this second door that I mentioned to you earlier that I knocked on as we were uh, conversing with one another, she began to open up to me and share with me some of the struggles that, that was going on in her life. And, and I sensed an opportunity to take the conversation just a little bit deeper, not just to hear from her what her struggles are, but to help her understand that maybe, maybe God had sent me to her door. In fact, that's what I said to her. I, I interjected in the, into the conversation, I think God sent me here to you today to, to talk with you. And when I said that, I wish you could have seen the look on her face. Her, her countenance changed. It was like, Really? I mean, he's looking out for me like that? I, it, it brought a thought into her mind that maybe God's interested in what I'm going through. And we were able to talk further and I was able to pray with her and, and encourage her to come to church and, and be a part of a family where she could feel at home. She was saying to me, I, I need new friends. If we aren't willing to take that risk and take the conversation to a deeper level to talk about things that really do matter, you know what that, you know what that means? Then that means that all we're ever talking about are things that just don't amount to a hill of beans. Love is willing to take a risk and move the conversation from surface stuff to living water kind of stuff. You know what else I see from this passage of Scripture? There are people out there that will be receptive to you talking with them about living water. I'm not saying everybody's going to be receptive to that, but there are people out there that will be receptive to you talking with them about living water. You know why? Because they're thirsty. And they have been trying to quench their thirst with the things of the world. And they are coming to a conclusion that the world really cannot quench my thirst. They've tried. They've tried to quench their thirst, but it's not working for them. And so, they're understanding a little bit more. Money cannot quench my thirst. Having more stuff cannot quench my thirst. 
Winning the big game cannot quench my thirst. I was at Stillwater, Oklahoma a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night visiting my daughter Rebecca and it just happened to be a Wednesday night that she was teaching her high school youth group. And so Cindy and I were able to just sit back in that class and we were able to hear what she was speaking to her high school kids about. And she actually that evening was talking to them about how only Jesus can satisfy. And so actually a part of my sermon today is from my daughter's devotion a couple of weeks ago because she she brought up this idea that you know winning the big game just is not going to satisfy you know, and and kids can they can just dive into sports and give their whole thought and life to sports and and, and come to a conclusion that winning the big game is not going to satisfy and she used an illustration about Troy Aikman and I didn't even know she knew who Troy Aikman was Troy, maybe you don't know who Troy Aikman is. Troy Aikman was a, was a great quarterback from years ago with the Dallas Cowboys, and this is what he had to say about winning Super Bowls, and I quote, You think once you win it, all your problems are solved. But I've won two now, and it hasn't solved a thing. Not a thing, he said. You know, the world's thirsty. And they're trying to quench their thirst through all of this stuff out there in the world, and they're not being successful with it. They're still thirsty. I spent some time on a website this last week called I Am Second, and maybe you're familiar with that website. If you're not, I would really encourage you to get on that website, I Am Second, and just click on and listen to some of the incredible testimonies that are there. These are people who have reached the pinnacle in life from a worldly standpoint. And they are testifying there on that website that the world cannot satisfy. And so when we start talking to people about living water that quenches one's thirst there will be some who will perk their ears up and listen because they're tired of being thirsty. They're tired of the world not living up to its promises. Indeed, the fields are white and to harvest. In other words, there are people out there who will listen to us. We need to find those people and love them enough to give them what they need and what they're looking for. Let me read to you verses 16 through 18 of this chapter out of John 4. He said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. You know what I learned from that? I learned that true love is willing to speak the truth to people. You think this truth that Jesus spoke to her kind of stung? I think it more than stung. 
It was like a sword going into her inner being and it convicted her. It was like a sledgehammer coming down upon her. Sometimes the truth hurts. The truth convicts. But don't neglect to see the rest of this story. This gal ended up surrendering her life to Jesus and she went to her neighbors and to all of the people in the community and she said to them, come, come quickly. I want to introduce you to this man. He may be the Messiah. And the whole town came out to meet him and before the whole story is ended, the entire community has bent their knee to Jesus and they are worshiping him. Do you love people enough to speak the truth to them? Sometimes it's our inclination to just kind of shrink back from speaking the truth to people. We avoid the truth. We don't want to offend people with the truth. And so rather than helping them know the truth, rather than enlightening them with the truth, we just shrink back and we let them stay outside of the truth, deceived by the evil one. And ultimately, if they don't ever come to the truth, they're going to go to hell. True love. Speaks the truth to people. And that's what I see here with Jesus. I see him having a love for this woman. It's not a passive love. It is an active kind of love. It is a love that crosses barriers. It is a love that was willing to take him to a deeper level of conversation with her. He was soul conscious. He was concerned about her spiritual well-being. And that's, that's the kind of love we need to have. We talk about love does. Love is willing to speak up. Love is soul conscious. Love is concerned for that person's eternal well-being. Enough that we will speak the truth to them. Enough that we will go from the surface to the deeper level of conversation to try and help them find Jesus. That's what love does. Let's pray together. God, help us to have that kind of love. The kind of love that will speak to people about living water. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are that living water. And that you are the one that can quench our thirsty soul. And we pray this in in your blessed name, dear Jesus. 